Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 112 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Will Dable. Will is a teacher. He's consistently failed to get a real job, instead working in tech companies for most of his debatably professional career. He learned to code in primary school and has since founded and sold multiple companies, is an award-winning lecturer and speaker, and sits on the board of a handful of businesses and non-profits. He lives in Melbourne with a neuroscientist and two cats and plans to retire on Mars. In his spare time, Will doesn't have any. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Will's views on the current state of the social enterprise sector in Australia and around the world. We'll get Will's insights into social enterprise education, and we'll hear what Will believes can be done by universities and social entrepreneurs to create opportunities for positive social change on a global scale. Will, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. That that sounds much more dramatic and profound than anything I ever planned to think or talk about. <laughs> Well, well, well I, think I sound I sound a lot taller on podcasts than I am in real life. <laughs> well, we'll see how dramatic and profound we can make the conversation well, then, hey. Hey, Will, to, to kick things off, would you like to share a little bit about your background and what has led you to working in this social enterprise and education sector? Yeah, cool. Uh, so I was a I wasn't very good at high school. Like I did a really poor job of paying attention and being a good student, all that kind of stuff. Um, I was convinced I was going to be a social worker mm. when I was a teenager, uh, but I didn't get the grades, which for those of you who know about the grades necessary for social work is funny. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. I, I just, um, I think there's like this thing with, I don't know if it is the same now, but there's this thing where if you get a really low score when you exit high school, they don't even tell you what it is if it's, if it's that low kind of thing. <laughs> You know, I think it's like 30% or below or something. I don't know what it is. Anyway, I, I, I had terrible marks, so I couldn't do any of that. And so I actually jumped on a plane, went to London um, just because it was a place to go. Uh, yeah. I started a like a d- web design company in my off hours while I was working at another company, mm. um, which I then kind of – it's really weird. I kind of worked for it when I came back to Australia. Uh, so I was kind of working British hours while living in Australia – living in pounds while living in Melbourne. It was really, it was really weird and yeah. it didn't work and it was a bad idea and I went broke. Um, but it, well, it led to me meeting a, a co-founder that became my best mate and he and I started like a social good tech company together. Mm, cool. um, does that make, that make sense? <laughs> totally. Well, it, it sounds like you were learning from those, those failings. Yeah, it's funny. I don't, I think it's, so how's this? Let me, let me get, give you a roundabout comment on that. So I was, listening to i think it was freakonomics or radio lab one or the other yeah. a podcast and they were talking about courage and like you know the whole thing of like people that will leap into a burning car to pull out somebody who might die or they'll yeah. like 
jump in front of a charging bear or something, you know, like crazy courage. Yeah. And they were looking into the psychology of courage. And it turns out that all those, quote, courageous, unquote, people, they weren't courageous. They just weren't really thinking. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. They weren't like, oh, this is really hard and I'm going to do it. And Arr. they we just kind of did it. And if you ask them, like, why did you do it? They're like, uh, I don't know. It was just there and I just kind of did it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's not really much thought going on. And I think I had a very similar thing. Like there's a real there's a fetish these days around failing forward and yeah. failure and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think I even considered it. It was just like I started a company because I was kind of unemployable. <laughs> like it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a really deeply thought yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, thing. Well, I, I bet it's taken a lot of courage to found Fitzroy Academy. So tell us more about this venture, Will, and like what is this platform? How does it aim to support social entrepreneurs? Cool. Good question. This, this is a tricky one. Maybe I, I can give you like a really brief history and that might answer the question. Excellent. Yeah, I started teaching at uh, a university here in Melbourne back when I was a tech geek. Uh, and I had a horrible experience. Like it was just uh, dealing with the administration and being a teacher is horrific. Yeah. <laughs> um, and much love to all the unis. They try their best. Same with high schools. It's just for whatever reason, administration within that kind of institution is really hard. Like it's a really tricky, tricky thing. Yeah. Uh, and so from that experience, I think maybe, maybe it was because I'd never been to uni myself, so I didn't really know how to operate within that world. Mm. Um, so I had, I had, from my point of view, a really negative experience. And I came out the other side with that classic sort of like, man, this system is broken. We need to build a replacement and it's all going to – disruption, rah. Yeah. And <laughs> I was really excited about that. This is like five years ago or so. And so it's earlier than five years ago. And five years ago, I revisited this idea when I got kind of bored of running a, a digital agency. Um, like I was kind of over the internet. Yeah. Um, and I just geeked out on education. Like I, I kind of just sat down and like read about it a lot and like talked to a lot of teachers, talked to a lot of people that had good and bad kind of education experiences mm. and just kind of stumbled my way through how teaching works. Yeah. And I found it fascinating. Like it's just the most interesting thing ever because mm. it's like, oh, it's really hard to explain. It's like, like for example, if I were to say, uh, hey, Tom, your phone sucks. This phone that I've got is better than your phone. Do you want to try this new phone? You'd probably be like, well, I don't care. It's a phone. Like I have, I have feelings about my phone, but I'll try your phone yeah and then if it's better i'll upgrade you know it's like it's very easy for us to upgrade a phone but if you were to go to somebody and be like hey the way that you think and the way that you've been educated to operate for the last 18 years of your life is wrong i'd like you to do something else that's hard like that's mm. that's asking people to unknit the way that they were taught to think at like a really fundamental level yeah so so it suddenly becomes really interesting. <laughs> um, so anyway, to, to continue the history. So I, yeah, I just geeked out on it. I geeked out on education. And this turned into running a very poorly thought out but very fun one-month-long social enterprise accelerator. Um, this is like five years ago before social enterprise acceleration was cool. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of like uh, the idea was it was an accelerator for normal people, uh, kind of like the same way that you can you can volunteer at Greenpeace and you don't need to have any particularly special skills. You just have to need to be like hyped and want to help and they'll yeah. figure out a way to help. It was like that. It was just like, let's just get normal people and help them build a company or build an idea or whatever else. Awesome. And it was great and it worked really, really well. We had like 40 teachers, 25 students. It was like a month 
locked in a basement of a building in the city in Melbourne together. Uh, really intense experience. And it taught us a lot about how almost alternative education works um, and just and just the process of pulling it together meant that like a whole bunch of really interesting people came out of the woodwork to kind of lend us their time um, and energy and ideas and stuff. Like we had one of the founders of the Pirate Bay just fly himself over and hang out for a couple of weeks. We wow. had an entrepreneur from – where was he from? I think it was from Czechoslovakia. Literally just flew down and rented a house for a month to hang out with us. Awesome. And I think I think it was because because at that time it was a new and exciting idea and people were willing to do kind of anything. Yeah. Uh, but the process of running a physical teaching program taught us really quickly that it like physical teaching self optimizes towards expense. So like any really good teaching uh, that's done physical generally runs upmarket and becomes really expensive really quickly. And yeah. so if you look at all of the like design schools and like you know, general assembly and like those physical, even if they're teaching new things, they're teaching in a physical like classroom style model, it gets really expensive, which mm. makes it really inaccessible for the average human. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep, totally. Yeah, cool. So we kind of leak, we learned a bunch of stuff through doing that. I, I learned that I really love teaching. Like I really like hanging out with people and like being a part of them learning something new and trying it out. Like I, I just... That's a fun thing for me now. Mm. Um, uh, it's, it's funny, yeah. It took me. It took me the next five years to go from I think this is interesting to identifying as a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like having that be part of my psyche. But yeah, we kind of we did that really dumb thing where we were like, well, if physical education has a bunch of flaws, let's just do online because online will be interesting, right? Mm. And so with zero knowledge whatsoever about video or like online teaching or anything. I, I found this um, lovely guy who made a video for my old punk band like 15 years ago. And um, he had actually gone to LA to make feature films and dive into that, like the movie biz over there. Yeah. Uh, and he, he came back to Australia and decided he hated the movie biz and he didn't want to have anything to do with cameras ever again. Wow. Uh, and I like convinced him that he should make some videos with me. And we basically just dove into trying to do video education. And then like three or four years later, uh, we are where we are now. And so it took us that long to figure out how to do it because it's really hard. Wow. And so what have been some of the key challenges then in setting up Fitzroy Academy and, and how are you working your way around them? Good question. Key challenges. Uh, I reckon that one of the big ones is that video education sucks until it doesn't. Mm. Uh, there is so much trash out there. There's like... There's like, in the, and again, in the entrepreneurship space, uh, there's a lot of trash out there because you have people that, um, I'm sounding really negative, but this is like, like the classic thing that happens is an entrepreneur has some kind of success. They get really excited to help other people experience that success, you know, in a really giving positive way. And so they lay out a roadmap that was their story and they say, do my story, you know, like copy paste my experience onto yours. And everything will be great. Yeah. And people buy into that and they spend a lot of money or time or energy on doing that. And then it doesn't work and it feels really weird. Mm. And, so, and so there's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work in the entrepreneurship education world. Um, universities and schools trying to do video education almost never works because like a boring lecturer on video is just a boring lecturer on video. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so I guess like the big challenge for us was I underestimated just how hard it would be to do good video. Mm. Like it's it's 
it's movie making, it's education, it's how here's here's a fun word for you. I didn't know this word existed until recently. Um, it's it's andragogy. Uh, andragogy. Oh, uh, unpack uh, that word, please. Right. So so pedagogy, uh, pe- as in pedo, yeah. child. Yeah. Uh, teaching children. Uh, andragogy, as in andra, is teaching man or teaching adults. Mm. And like adults just learn fundamentally differently to kids. Like adults have context and experience and you know, loves and fears and traumas and stuff that makes them motivated to live their lives. Yeah. Um, really, really different to like teaching a kid how to brush their teeth. Mm. And so you get, we get a lot of really weird things where like even in tertiary education, we teach young adults like their kids and then we wonder why they don't respect the teaching. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you, you add the added difficulty of doing that in video and we have this thing of like, you know, like one of the core fundamental things of andragogy, teaching adults as compared to teaching kids, is that it really has to be about the person doing the learning and their context and their lived experience and solving the 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 very specific problems that they're coming up against in their particular experience of life, right? Mm. So that's hard to do as a fundamental and it's triply hard to do via video because it's a kind of a one-way interaction. Yeah. Um, I underestimated how hard all of that would be. So you've spoken about, I mean, the difficulty of setting these things up and you've, you've done a, you know, worked on a number of different projects to date. So thanks for sharing those challenges, but like overall, what have been some of the biggest lessons today that you've learned on this journey of yours? Gosh, do you know, it's funny, right? As as I become a better teacher, I don't think I'm a good teacher by any stretch yet, but the more I learn about teaching and the better a teacher I become, the less likely I am to give platitudes and advice, mm. particularly one directional to yep. a broad via a podcast. I really struggle with it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, you know, it's like, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I almost, it's almost, I almost want to refuse to answer the question, which I know is not helpful. Like, <laughs> So, I don't know. so what's a question you'd ask then to a social entrepreneur or aspiring social entrepreneur listening that would help guide them on their journey in the creation or development of their own venture? Great. Okay. Let me, let me, okay. That's a really good one. Let me, I'm going to answer that question with a question, which yeah. I, I think we'll, <laughs> we, we're good at that as teachers. <laughs> I might get us slightly closer to a question. So you've you've almost, and I see what you're doing, Tom. You've asked the classic newbie social entrepreneur question, yeah. which is is a usually a thinly veiled version of I don't know what to do. Give me a template to follow so that I can feel like I'm progressing. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's one of the questions under the question. Yeah. Uh, the you know the and the classic uh, follow up to that two parter is what kind of social enterprise should I start? Should it be a profit share? Should it be a app? Should it be, you know, like, yeah. like we, we lead to these fundamentals. And I feel like a much more useful question is like, what form of social entrepreneur are you? And what's your idea of good and bad? Like, mm-hmm. like what are your values? Is, is tradition more important than novelty? Is beauty more important than function like what are the fundamental things about the person asking these questions drives them to do anything in the first place Mm. and it's almost like i don't know spending a fair bit of time asking those questions and and maybe those questions are asked 
like over a glass of wine or they're better asked by like doing some stuff and reflecting on the doing of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I feel like answering the questions about the person's personal motivations for doing stuff is probably a better question than how do I start a social enterprise? Because for the vast majority of people, starting a social enterprise is a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So would you then be implying then that a a great reflection for a social entrepreneur would be for them to deeply understand their drivers and, you know, what, where their passions lie, what success means for them, et cetera? Yeah. It's like, why did you get into this in the first place? Like what, what trauma are you working on or what experience motivated you to get angry about something? Yeah. Like you, you actually, it's funny, you see this come out in really um, confusing ways with some people because you get like particularly young social entrepreneurs at a pitch competition. Yeah. Feel like they have to trot out some, you know, uh, TED talk style. Once upon a time, there was a kid who really struggled with problem X and it turns out that student was me and here is how I've gotten through it. And, you know, we almost want this story of redemption, failure and, you know, survival, like Mm. this real hero's journey (laughs) kind of thing. Um, And often it's not that simple and it's not that heroic Mm. (laughs) you know it's like like what get you into the first place like for me it's just that i get real angry at dumb systems yeah like i got i saw education and i was like oh this is this sucks this is being done poorly and like the efficiency geek in me got all grumpy about it it wasn't that i had you know deep desire to be a teacher or whatever it's like i fell in love with the job through playing with it so there's no like there's no beautiful creation myth (laughs) around around it. And I feel like for a lot of people, if you can get around the creation myth and like what ends up on the pitch deck kind of storytelling through just like, I don't know, do you want to make a ton of cash? Like, is that the thing? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what got you into this? That's, that's a useful question. So then I'm afraid of asking questions, which then asks you for advice, right? But from a, <laughs> from your experience in working with a range of different social entrepreneurs, have you seen any really important traits that are consistent across those that are working really well in the space and actually, you know, achieving strong outcomes? Yeah, behaviours. Uh, I, would, I would say that uh, curiosity and humility, that, that combo, mm. seems to be a really good predictor. Yeah. Uh, like people that are really great listeners and like you can hear them. So not here. You can, when you can see somebody cognitizing as they listen to you, you know, you can see them involving your ideas into their thinking and yeah. changing themselves as they listen. Yeah. Like you can see it when people do it. And it's just great. Cause it's like, you know, they're just going to like gobble up information that's given to them and process it well and then turn it into some kind of respectful, useful action. Mm. Like that's, that's awesome. I think, I think the, the entrepreneurship world is really tired of heroes and really tired of visionaries. So humility is a really nice counterpoint to that. It's Mm. like listening and then very humbly thinking about something that can be done and going and doing it. That's, that's a good, that's very generic, but it's a broad predictor, I think. Totally. So where do you then see social entrepreneurs most commonly going wrong? I mean, you've, you've spoken about, you know, the danger of, let's say, not having humility, you know, and then sort of the, the, the trait of being a, a heropreneur, let's call them. But are there any typical elements where, you know, you think 
people really need to strongly consider. Mm. Do you mean do you mean common pitfalls in things people do, or are you or are you thinking like personality traits? Uh, things people do. I mean, it could be a mix. It could be a personality trait as well. It's funny, right? Because it's like I I feel like the personality traits are often more useful than the what you do as a result of those traits. Yeah. So like a lot of the a lot of the big failures I see are well, it's the opposite of the others, of course. So like yeah. arrogance is is a really dangerous one. Mm. Um, the the desire to have an impact is really different to the desire to make a dent. Yeah. And when and you can you can really like after you've worked with enough particularly young social entrepreneurs, it's really easy to see the people that are working from their own ego versus the people that are in service of a problem worth working on. Yeah. And and it's like falling in love with an area of the world that needs your help and figuring out how you can gently be of service in that area. Mm. Um, It's not, it's not loud, you know, it's not easily identifiable. So uh, so it's not we don't see it much. <laughs> the the big failure is the loud. I want to make a dent. I'm going to change the world. Uh, impacted scale. Rah rah rah. Kind of thinking. It's yeah. Dangerous. Yeah, totally. So, are there any inspiring projects then that you've come across recently? Then, will which you think are creating some excellent positive social change? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually I'm really excited about she investments in Phnom Penh. Uh, it's an Australian Cambodian, uh, partnership, um, between a bunch of people over there. Uh, and they're focusing on getting women led micro enterprises in Cambodia that are like making a bit of money and they're helping them make more money. Cool. Uh, a wonderfully like (laughs) wonderfully simple thesis, right? It's like, well, if you're making money and you make more money, then some good things will happen. Mm. And of course, uh, bracketed around that is a whole bunch of cultural and financial and entrepreneurial um, complexity. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I love about it is that Celia, a Melbourne woman, she just, she she went to the place where she works and she just shut up and listened for like six months before she did a single thing mm. uh, and really understood what was really causing some of the fundamental problems behind what she was doing. And then she gently introduced a few ideas and then they started to work. Um, I think that the approach as much as the outcome, I think is really cool. Mm. She sounds like a great listener. Yeah. Yeah. Really good listener. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Really good listener. She's very, when you speak to her, you can see her checking her biases as she speaks. Mm. You know, like it's a a conscious cognitive process. Uh, Actually really similar to another mob that I really like is in New Zealand. Um, They're called Akama. Um, or uh, Akama group, uh, and they're basically they're technology geeks. So they they do <laughs> they're kind of on this mission to do small, not particularly uh, visible technology change that helps a lot of people. So mm. messing with you know medical systems, tax systems, yeah. uh, things things that disproportionately affect uh, poor or marginalised people. Uh, that we don't really care about or don't really notice much. Yeah, uh, it's it's very New Zealand, you know, really, really, really humble and in service. Yeah, um, I'm I'm excited about them. We're we're helping them come to Australia to work on stuff in Australia, and that's it's super cool. Wow, that sounds like a, a fun project, a fun collaboration, that's for sure. So, Will, to finish off, then, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Do you do you read many books? Are you an are you an audio book sort of person? Do you 
Do you just sort of geek out on on online articles? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you another really annoying answer. I'm sorry. I'm big on podcasts. I'm a big fan of not only this podcast but Radio Lab mm. uh, is my just my. It makes me really really happy. Also, Julia Galef's Rationally Speaking is a joy to listen to. Oh, I haven't heard uh, that. Really really great. She gets she gets really fantastic speakers. And she has this marvelous practice at the end of all of her podcasts of asking her guest, uh, like, what is a book that you disagree with, that you, you, know, oh, you nice. don't like the book, but you would still recommend it as being, you know, well-written or a good explanation of the thing you disagree with. And it's just what a, what a wonderful, like, you know, not let's stick in our own bubbles and charge down, you know, our own, <laughs> like, yeah well-trodden paths like let's let's dig into stuff that we're uncomfortable about i really like that good so read... so let, let me interrupt will what's yeah. a book that you feel uncomfortable about reading but you know it's good for you oh that's a good wow i've never asked myself that question do you know what? i would actually say anything by peter Thiel. Mm. i think he's an asshole i think he's the enemy i think he's just a what some of the most negative traits in entrepreneurship are collapsed into Peter Thiel. But I also think he's a genius uh, and he has a view on reality that is fascinating. I think it's dangerous to use it as an instruction manual, anything that he talks about, says or does. But, you know, really interesting as a way of just, he's almost like a lot of the things that have come out of Silicon Valley and a lot of things that are really wrong with capitalism are are written in technicolor in Peter Thiel. Mm, Yeah. Totally. Well, that's, I think that's an excellent insight to finish off with, Will. Hey, you've given us some excellent insights, and I very much appreciate you sharing your experience and your time and your thoughts. You've challenged me as well as, um, as the, the interviewer today, Will, so I appreciate that, and it's, it's helped me reframe, I think, some of the questions that I'll be asking in the future. So thanks again. Thank you. And I, I realize that we basically didn't cover any of the questions that you asked me in prep. I'm really sorry about that. No worries at all. It's, it's, it's an excuse to talk again in the future, isn't it? <laughs> I would love to, Tom. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Will. See you, mate. <laughs> See you soon. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.